Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Vanoy. Hey, hey. Let's face it. These days, I'm pretty much always here with Chandler Vinoy. Uh, Chandler, you have to change the artwork and make yourself co-host. Just, just go ahead and make it official. Just go ahead and make it official. <laughs> we can see what we can do about that. Sorry, it doesn't come with any uh, promotions or benefits. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll take what I can get. You would like to order uh, that, you know, any new swag that you get for Lifeway Leadership or Five Leadership Questions, you can order an extra one. There we go. All right. And today we have a very fun, another fun guest. Uh, unfortunately, he still cheers for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's Adam Weber. Hey, hey, it is good to be on the podcast with the both of you. God had a, God had a heart for the underdog, and so do I. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that was special. Uh, so, <laughs> so he has a podcast himself called The Conversation, I believe. Yep, that's um, it. Um, first book was Talking With God. He's got a new book coming out uh, called Love Has a Name. And... Uh, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your church. Uh, wait one second. He has been on the podcast before. It was a really fun conversation. You may have been on twice. I think it might have been twice, actually. Okay. Both were really fun conversations. <laughs> uh, go back. Just a we fun guy. A frozen <laughs> following out of the sky, I think, in one of those. Yes. Yes. Uh, we haven't had that happen anytime recently, thankfully. Uh, so, so life has definitely gotten better since talking to you. <laughs> okay. Cause we can't have that and COVID. That's we cannot have too that much, too much. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and your church. Yeah. So I am born and raised South Dakota kid, uh, came to Christ later on in high school, um, really was changed completely. I mean, it was a radical transformation for me, went to business school, thought I was going to be in the business world. Still, there's parts of me that have thought about doing that at points and times, but, uh, ended up going to seminary, um, in Kentucky, came back, uh, against my will. It wasn't my idea. Started a church called embrace. I genuinely did not want to start a church. I wasn't on Facebook at that time. So I didn't know like starting churches was cool or I just thought it sounded horrible and really, really hard to do, but came back, started a church, uh, been doing it now. I was 24 when I started the church again, I did not want to do it. Um, it's been just a fun ride since I'm married. I got four kids, uh, embraces a multi-site church. So we have four campuses, uh, plus our online um, and then we have eight churches that we call network churches who utilize our message each week, but are separate churches from Embrace. So that's kind of the quick overview, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, if you're looking to social distance, we've been doing it for a long, long time. Just come and join us. <laughs> that's good. Well, across, across all of those different campuses, across um, all those partner churches as well, you know, as you said, you guys are experienced in social distancing. So maybe your experience with COVID-19 has looked a little bit different than maybe some listening who have been quarantined, have not been able to meet in person. What is, what is your all Sunday services look like in the midst of the past few months? 
Yeah, so I, we were we're the only state whose governor didn't officially shut down the state. So that's kind of gives a little bit of perspective of where we're at. But we we had no physical services. We were online only, I believe, for a month and a half or two months. So we've been on now for a couple of months, uh, physical service again. Um, you know, when there was the the meme or whatever of Chris Farley that went around like our first Sunday back, it's going to look like this. It definitely did not look like that. Um, I think even as a staff, to be honest with you, we thought we'd have people come rushing back and that was not the, that was not how it happened at all. And we've been shut down. It's again, in South Dakota, the least amount in our country. And so I think that's important for anybody who's still shut down just to have an idea of what it looks like coming back in. It's been a slow build. I believe we're still at like 40 or 45% of what we were last year in physical attendance. So, um, and in pre COVID we were in a big growth curve. So I actually think it's more distorted than that as far as the drop off. So we've had to focus online. Um, I think we figured out online really, really well. And then when we went back to physical services, our online quality dropped again. Just, mm. And so we've had to really push back into that. It's amazing how much you think physical services. And so we've had to really push to get our online quality back up. Um, we went for a time, we went to like a 40 minute service with all online only. Now we're at that 55, 60 mark. And I'm just wondering, I'm like, gosh, I, you know, Carrie Newhoff leadership podcast, Craig Rochelle are all talking about just focus online still. And it's so easy to get out of the rut of doing that. So we've been trying to, trying to encourage online engagement. We, um, we started in a kids ministry, like a online kids, kids part of thing. It's probably the best thing that we did during the, during COVID. And we've continued to have that same quality. Um, so we've kind of slowly been re-entering our kids back, kids back, a kid is, kids ministry is fully back. Uh, like it was pre COVID, um, two Sundays from now is when that will be fully back. So that kind of gives you an idea of what our actual services look like and the different changes that we've done. I got, I have two questions. Um, one, what was that, you know, you said, Hey, when we first came back physically, our, we noticed our, um, in doing so it took the attention back off of online and that slipped and we had to reinstate that. Um, so I would love for you to talk about briefly what, you know, what was it that slipped and what was it that you had to add back in? That's one, the first part. Yeah. The second part, uh, well, I'll wait to ask the, answer the first part. I was going to say, yeah. you might need to write this down. Yeah, yeah. Take, <laughs> take notes. No, no, I think, uh, I think really the two main things that slipped was our worship, like our worship team. And also our production is probably the two main areas that dropped because we went from being, um, you know, your multi-campus. So you got four different worship leaders at least that are paid and some others as well. And when you combine all those teams together, you have a rock star worship team. Right. I mean, so it was like the best of the best everybody, I mean, every person on stage is incredible. And then when you spread out that talent and just not even just talent, but you've spread out people who are paid to be a worship leader, um, that takes a drop right away again. And now other campuses are very mindful of what it looks like. Cause a lot of their people are online only. And so it's like, Hey, I want that to be high quality. Cause now they're no longer watching me. They're watching you guys. 
And so I think just that, and then just, we have a really high review process for our messages. And we, we, we started reviewing the online end of things very, very closely. Well, as soon as we went to to physical campuses again, we no longer had four campus pastors in the room. We no longer had four worship leaders in the room who are criticizing like and speaking it like good criticism, like, Hey, uh, I don't like that camera shot. I like this. Right. So all that p- went down, even, even in the area of production, we went from being all staff led, like everything was a staff person to now re- relying on volunteers. And, and, uh, it's just easy to forget about online when you have a full room. Well, now we have physical services and this last Sunday, one of our services was, was full again, minus half of the, the sanctuary chairs, we're still social distancing. Um, and so it's even now in that service, it's easy to forget about like, but still the majority of your people are online. And so it's just, it's just, we are wired to think the person right in front of us rather than, right. um, yeah. rather than everybody. Well, and Todd, and Todd, I know you have another follow up. Do you mind if I hop in here real quick? Okay. Chandler. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to catch you before you started. Hey, don't push it. We can reverse that decision we made in the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're no longer a co-host. You're no longer a co-host. It's official. I feel like I can hop in here now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Adam, what, what I was going to ask is, you, you talked about the review process of, you know, before COVID and then during COVID. And how did that change along the way? And what were some of the, the ways that you all review, were reviewing what, what a success was during somewhat of an ambiguous time where you've never been fully online before trying to figure out, did this work or did it not? And then how do you take what you learned there back into the review process as you guys have opened back up? Yes, it's uh, the view, review process is constantly changing. Pre-COVID, we never had a v- review process for our online services, just to be totally candid. Um, we have at each campus, we have a review process but it's very different to review what's happened in the room than what's happening online. Um, so then again, we go into COVID, all of our staff is at one campus. We have 20 hosts at least that are staff people, uh, versus one, uh, pre COVID. And so even just the online conversation, you're able to talk with every campus pastor. I mean like, Oh my gosh, my campus pastor is in the chat room in real time, like we're pulling out our computers after when we're not on stage. And so just the online chat chattiness is happening is just off the charts. We're asking questions that we're bringing onto the stage in real time. Like someone comments on a Facebook post and we bring it up and we incorporate it in the service. And again, a lot of that falls again. So it went from 20 some staff at a time to now two staff and volunteers and so, uh, the review process during COVID, we do our tech walkthrough. And if you weren't on stage in that moment, you were in one of our, um, video rooms. Like it's an overflow room. If our sanctuary is full, we are, you were in a video room watching on the screen, what online would get so that you so we're just critiquing everything. You know, it's just like, I don't like that shot. That kind of is weird. That didn't translate. Hey, uh, you should say this, like in, to engage people online. And that's, I mean, again, in a perfect world, we're getting back to that. So the second question um, is really pertinent both to online and your kids area in that you've identified, you've started doing new things. Yes. You're guilty 
of what churches have done for the last 40 years, which yep. what happened with the church growth movement is we made baptism the finish line. And I won't go into great detail there, but we kept adding things to the plate of the church. We got increasingly complex. We kept adding things and these are good things, but we kept adding things. So how does, how do you address the fact that you're like, wow, um, online matters now more than ever. We did it. We learned how to do it really well. And now we've created not a monster, but we've, we've created this extra thing that needs to be fed more. At the same time, it sounds like you had great success in your children's area as well, which we'll want to hear more about that uh, and what that looks like. But now, as you say, in two weeks, you're going back to the, you know, regular physical uh, meeting with uh, in, in, I guess, classes for kids and stuff like that. How, how do you balance those things? Because you don't want to kill off the new thing that you started that's been really successful, especially because we're not fully out of this yet. And we don't know what out of this is going to look like. How do you keep both going? Like, what do you sacrifice? It's incredibly hard. So we've, uh, we've started a uh, full kids ministry at one of the three services at each locations. So we're already getting a taste of it. And even our video persons, so we have a video person and um, I'm already getting tapped on hit by the, on the shoulder by his report saying, Hey, we need another video person because our video person that we brought in for my stories and whatever else is spending 25% of their time mixing these kids videos. And so even at a video level, um, you know, it, one of the cool things really quick, it was one of the things I loved about COVID. We found things in our staff that we never realized they had as far as giftings. Our kids director is amazing in front of a camera and we never knew that or hired her to do that. She's off the charts good. And so that was a fun part, but juggling that again, it kills me that our online quality has dropped. It's just like, oh my gosh, how do we keep that up? And so we've looked at, do we hire a couple of part-time people to help fill roles specifically for online? It's, it's really, really hard. I mean, it, we, we'd like to, I'd like to pride ourselves on being a, a really simple church and it's gotten more complex because of this. And so we've had to look at what, is there anything that we can cut? Because now we're trying to do groups in person and online through Zoom we're going to do kids ministry, both. We're going to do students, both. Um, we, we had the summer off for students. And so we've been able to have a breath there, but that was another component that we were working. Um, we've even just tried to like, I think the, the engagement online has definitely dropped. And I think that's been across the board. And so we're like, what would engage people who aren't leaving right. their house? And so one of the things we've thought about doing for each series starting this fall is like a workshop of some kind. Um, if they're like right now we're in a series called the church, we're not doing this, but we could do a workshop on what does it look like to be the, be the church? Like, how do you get connected? How do you serve? What are your spiritual gifts? Um, and so we've kind of thought like, could it be cool to do like a workshop type thing? 45 minutes that's in person and online. That would be an engaging, like, Oh man, that's something that you can't get elsewhere. I want to do that. 
Um, we've also in the past had something called cut for time. So it's on our same podcast uh, that you listen to the message, but each week we will record an episode called cut for time. All the things that were cut out of the message because we simply didn't have time or things we wanted to discuss that just didn't make sense in a message. So we've been doing those episodes on iTunes, even pre COVID, but now we're sharing them and we're actually recording them on Facebook live. And so the, the person has the ability to tune in and, oh man, this is cool content. I didn't get this on Sundays. I can't get this anywhere else. So we've constantly tried to look for ways to add things, but it's like, okay, you can only add so much and keep the quality. Yeah. How do you do that? I, it makes really hard decisions. And for me, it makes really hard decisions to like, okay, if online is something of the future, we just had an administrator tell us they'll be shocked if school doesn't close two weeks in. It's like, okay, that's not very encouraging. Uh, um, if that's the case, online is critical, whether you like it or not. And so how do you do that? We're trying to figure it out. That's, and it's just a lot of hard conversations. Um, there's, and we don't have an answer for it. Well, I appreciate you walking us through all that. It, it seems, I mean, just thinking outside the box on different types of resources to equip the church, to continue making disciples. And it seems like you guys are trying to think outside the box, especially in the kids area, but when thinking about each specific ministry, I know you walked us through, you know, a few examples. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with what, how you guys are kind of pivoting with kids ministry, student ministry, or groups ministry? I kind of walked through most of it, but really just trying to offer a solid in-person and online experience. And what does that look like right now? Um, so kids ministry wise, it's probably one of the, another one of the coolest things we, we've done. This is pre-COVID. Uh, we call it Embrace Academy is what our kids ministry is all about. It's um, what we do is we find out a passion of a volunteer, whether that's lifting weights, whether that's crafts, whether that's decorating cakes. And so each, each like, um, quarter, a kid can sign up for what they want to do. They're like, man, I love sports. So I want to learn about football. And then as they're, they'll have the activity while discussing spiritual things and discussing scripture and Bible verses. And, um, so that's one of the things that we do really, really well, but we're now trying to figure out, okay, how do we do that virtually? Cause we have this virtual kids experience, but it's not embrace Academy. And so how does this work and how does this look? And it's just, it's just trying things and seeing what works and what doesn't. Uh, early on in COVID, we had did a large group online. So you could sign up for it. It was three weeks long. It encouraged discussion. So there'd be a teaching that was actually happening live. And then um, it'd be, you know, five minutes of teaching. And then, okay, guys, here's a conversation question with the people in your living room with you. Discuss. And so we did it really, really high quality. We just didn't get a huge response to it. Uh, we had a prayer and worship time twice a week on Facebook live. We just didn't get a huge response from it. And so we cut it, but coming into fall, does that change? Does that look different? Those are the things I think we're continuing to experiment with of just like, let's try, let's try and see what works and what doesn't. So Adam, you, you mentioned this is definitely a time to try new things out. And it sounds just as you were describing there, Hey, we tried this and we decided it wasn't working. You know, a, a lot of churches are trying new things. W at what point would you say, hey, it's time to persevere? Or what's the tension of it's time to persevere through this? This is a resource we need to, to offer versus, hey, this is not working. Let's, it's time to shut it down and move on. 
Is there any kind of threshold that you guys found that was helpful in understanding, hey, should we continue doing this or should we shut it down? Um, I think that looks different for each person and different each different for each church. But for us, it was really kind of measuring um, manpower and resources versus um, results. Um, results as far as numerically, like the amount of people tuning in or engagement results as far as like we actually think that this will make a difference in people's lives or not. And that's really what it came down to. The certain things, it just didn't seem like um, it was enough. And so I think for us, we wait like a month usually before pulling the plug on most things. And so it's just really kind of looking at it over a month and just being really honest. Like, is this worth it? Could we utilize people's time in a different ways um, uh, than what we're doing? And so that, that's just being really honest and really candid about measuring things. That's good. It's sometimes it's, it's hard to be very honest because <laughs> oh, it was such a great idea. They should like it, and then yes, producing results. Well, it's like, okay, we do. We need to pull the plug. Specifically, when you do it really, really well, and even when you like it personally, it's like this is something that I genuinely love. And then, but if you just don't see the engagement, um, knowing the the amount of work that's going into it, and knowing just like Todd brought up, like how can you keep it all? Like how can you juggle it all? Uh, we just, we just couldn't do it all. And so we're trying to figure out what are we going to do really, really well. Yeah. It comes down to ruthlessly trimming the trivial good. Yes. You, yes. You just, you have no choice. And when you do that, somebody is going to be affected. Um, the person who maybe found their identity, uh, <laughs> this particular ministry or um, maybe it was a, a big, what they thought was going to be a, a new responsibility for their role. And now they, that's up, you know, that's up for grabs or they don't know what that is. Security, whatever it is, it's going to probably hurt someone. But at the same time, from a stewardship perspective, we have to ruthlessly trim the trivial good. Yes. And if, and if there, if there's anything that you've wanted to trim that you haven't had the ability to trim COVID is a perfect opportunity to do just that. Pretty much. You know, I even talked with a couple, a group of pastors the other day and I said, Hey, how are you feeling about just everything COVID wise? They hadn't reopened yet. And one person said, I'm so bummed. We had great momentum and gosh, I'm just so disappointed. Another pastor after that guy got done kind of grieving. Another pastor said, honestly, the virus, like not taking lightly all the trauma it's caused our world is the best thing that ever happened to our church. And I said, I said, what? And he's like, we were so toxic. There was so much weird sideways things happening. And he's like, it kind of just shut it all down. And he's like, we're actually healthy. It feels like as a church, I was like, that's one way to look at it. And so, um, there is this opportunity though, if you've wanted to cut something now is the time to do it. For sure. So what are some, what are some of the really, uh, what has, what's an obstacle that turned out to be kind of a, a, a blessing when it was all said and done through this process for, for you, for Embrace? Yeah. Um, you know, there's different obstacles we faced. Uh, a couple of the main ones I'd say is staff discouragement has been probably the biggest obstacle, just being totally candid about once a week, typically on Mondays, uh, more so after we started regaining serv uh, physical services, that's when the dis dis discouragement set in. 
Cause I think we kind of, it's like, Oh, but when services come back, people are going to flood back. And you kind of had to wrestle with is church that important to people? Cause they're going and doing other things. I mean, in South Dakota, we're seeing other people do things, but not necessarily church. And so that's a hard question to wrestle with. And the other thing I would say is that's been an obstacle is just our heartbeat to reach people and to pour into people, to reach people for Christ and to grow them as followers of Christ. I would say that's been the area that's been kind of the, and turned into the greatest blessing um, in two different ways. Um, we, uh, we, as far as discouragement and reaching people, it's just been powerful to share stories more than ever. We're really trying to put stories into videos and just share a story as much as we possibly can through social in service, just like sharing stories of what God continues to do. But two specific ways that we've overcome the obstacle of reaching people that we've tried to, uh, one thing um, that we do is called a run project. So, um, if you're connected to embrace in any way, shape or form, you can apply for up to $2,000 to go do something that God has put on your heart. The inner, the like application process is as simple as you possibly can be. We don't want a whole bunch of red tape. Basically it, the project has to be for somebody other than yourself. We'd love you to do it with more than just yourself, maybe a couple of people. And then, um, we want you if possible to multiply the money. So if you can take $2,000 and raise $5,000 and go do something, that's awesome. But we're not like stingent on any of those things. So basically we've challenged people to go outside the church walls and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we'll put $2,000 behind you right now. I think we, I don't even know how many current projects we have. We just had another eight projects get applied for this week. And I'll be surprised if seven out of the eight don't get green lighted immediately. And so just, it's been really cool to see our people actually be the hands and feet of Jesus outside the church. That's been one way that we've um, tried to overcome staff discouragement and also reaching people. The other thing, and this looks different for each church uh, we have. So we have eight churches that are not embrace um, who are a part of our network. And it looks like a handful more are going to be joining here very, very soon. And so that's been kind of a cool way um, that we can continue reaching people. And these churches are saying, Hey, we don't have the technology and capabilities that embrace has, or our pastor isn't uniquely geared to preaching. Can we join this network for, I think it's like $200 a month, maybe, or even less, um, and get all these different resources. Um, because we believe in embrace, um, but we want to stay separate though. We don't want to be a, an embrace church. And it's been really cool to see God bless that as well. And just continue to be able to reach people, um, in that way. So that's a little bit unique though. So with those projects that you were saying, first off, what a cool idea. I just love that you shared that during this, this season, what has been, you know, one of the favorite stories that has come out of that and how you all have been able to serve others and, and kind of reach your city. Yeah. So it's kind of been everything, um, from, um, there's one guy who's building an entire basketball court at concrete's been poured. Hoops are going up, uh, in a low income neighborhood part of town. Um, so it's been that type of thing. Um, me personally, I'm doing a project tomorrow, much simpler. Uh, I'm going to be serving up root beer floats all over Sioux Falls, uh, and offering to pray for people if they want prayer, but we're just giving out root beer floats. Um, kind of two cool stories. Uh, one group, they were going to try to, you know, they applied for, uh, for some money. Um, we're going to try to get bikes for like 15 people ended up getting 68 bikes. And also they didn't need any of the money because they ended up raising all the money themselves. 
Um, one of those bikes went to one of my neighbor kids who got, whose bike got stolen. One bike went to a little six year old girl and she wanted to give 72 cents of her money to help make it possible for another bike in the future. <laughs> and four bikes went to four foster kids that like had a ball riding the bikes out in the parking lot, started putting the bikes away. Cause I didn't think they could keep them. And so they were like, if one of the volunteers is like, Hey, no, you get to keep the bike there. Oh, wow. It's going home with your, your foster parents are going to bring the bike home with you guys. And just were like crazy. Um, so that was cool. Another person, um, started a nonprofit. Um, she, she's had three miscarriages herself. And, um, a year, a few years ago, she posted on the day that she, uh, had the miscarriage. It was the anniversary date and someone sent her flowers and she just said, I, it just meant so much that someone like noticed the life that was lost and also just noticed my pain. So she started a nonprofit called Evermore Bloom. And it's where anybody can let, um, can sign up and let a per, let this organization know that they had a miscarriage or a friend lost a miscarriage and they'll send flowers on that day to remember with a note um, with a prayer included. I mean, and the flowers are just gorgeous. And so, um, that, that's just so cool that this $2,000 is a catalyst now for something so much greater. Um, we've, I've, I helped one of my projects I was a part of flipped a teacher's lounge pre COVID. Um, so that was done. I mean, it's really been insane to hear about the differences that have, that have been made. And it's just really empowering the church. Uh, one of probably one of my biggest passion points uh, early on and friction points as well was, Hey, this is a great idea. Embrace should go do X, Y, or Z. <laughs> and in the past, my, my thing was, Hey, you're clearly hearing from God. Um, you are embraced. So go do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to announce it. We're not going to do it, but you go do it. And so that's kind of been our heartbeat since day one. And it's really cool back in February is when we started the run project. Now it's like, Hey, we saw that same heartbeat, but we want to give you two grand because oftentimes one of the biggest hindrances is money. And so we just want to be able to bless you in that way. And again, like we have very little red tape, uh, the, the five or six people who are kind of a part of the group that approves things is like a bunch of like, you know, like your favorite old uncle that gives you as much, <laughs> as much candy as you want. That's the group. Yeah. That's the group that runs this. It's like all of them are yes people. They want to make sure it's a good idea and it's headed in the right direction, but they're all like, yes, green light. That's the coolest thing ever. And so you it's got to do. You've got to do really bad on the form to not get the money. Basically. You basically have to not <laughs> fill the form out and say that Jesus is bad and you're going to spread the good news that he's not real, like, or something like that. But away from that, like all of us, and it's so cool. I mean, so we, I think we have a meeting that has eight of them. It's pretty cool that we'll most likely walk out of the room having approved probably third, dollars $13,000, you know, like, I'm just like, that's just exciting. And that's just one meeting. And Hey, in a few weeks, we got eight more to look at. Yeah. Wow. And I can see why that is encouraging to your staff. And I know you said one of the obstacles was staff discouragement and just probably even as the body and just to see what the body's doing in the midst of all this would just, you know, be a shot of life. So that's great. I mean, the beautiful thing about that is as you tell those stories, it's very culture forming for your church. I mean, you know, those stories, uh, especially the great ones become legendary. Uh, yes. And, and it, 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 
it's told and retold and retold again. And you tell people what is important um, yes. by what you celebrate and, and what you, you know, embed in the culture through story. And so the fact that you guys um, put money into it uh, and then, you know, the, the, the emphasis for sharing the gospel, being a part of it, I think is, is awesome. It's been, it's been so cool though. How we started off the series when I first announced it back in February was just the question. If our church disappeared tomorrow, what would anyone notice or care? And I can't remember where I got the stat from, but there was a stat that basically said like the church doesn't bring about positive change outside its walls. And I'm just like, that's not a very pretty stat to look at the look in the face of. And so I was like, what, what do we need to change in order for that answer to be absolutely yes. And it's been so cool just to see even just goodwill. It's amazing how goodwill opens up the doors to share about Jesus. Of just like, this has nothing to do with Jesus. Why are you paying for this? Um, oh, because we think it's good for our community and it like it um, will, you know, just like even just the goodwill part of things, it's amazing how all of a sudden people are like, Hey, can you tell me about the Jesus that you follow? Cause I'm kind of jaded by churches and they, they're all about themselves. And yet you guys funded that. And, and so it's been really cool just to see conversations come up with people who otherwise wouldn't want anything to do with the church. Well, let's move to our last question here. And we've talked a lot about your, your staff, um, and you also talked about, you know, your, your worship leaders coming together and having almost the super worship team together. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how have you all adapted existing staff responsibilities to meet your current ministry needs and maybe even also some volunteer responsibilities as well? Yeah, it's um, that the, that highlights another challenge we faced has been volunteers in general. Um, when we when we were looking at. Um, starting physical services back up again at that time. And we don't know if it was just the South, uh, South Dakota summers impact summers in South Dakota are holy ground. Uh, we we're starting to joke right now because every so often we'll have a morning where it's like 50 degrees and it feels like fall. And the joke is, is, is snow coming next week? Cause it actually <laughs> probably could. And so, um, wow. so, but we had, when we reached out to our volunteers, I think 10% of our volunteers said they were coming back to physical services. And so we, we had to completely start over in many ways with building our volunteer base. And again, I think, I think we'll see more if school does in fact start and children go back to those schools that will help. Um, and just fall and winter weather and cold will help as well. But we've really had to completely start over with our volunteers. And then our staff, we've really had to say, hey, for this time, we don't know how staff hours are going to be allocated. Um, we've been so f grateful that financially we've not been hit by, by this, which is I still don't understand how that's possible with our attendance being hit like it has. But, um, we've had to just tell our staff, Hey, we, we know we're asking different things of you than when we hired you. And thankfully our team is really healthy in that way. And so they've all really risen to the occasion, but we just had to re we've kind of had to start over and be a new church again. Um, and acting like a church plant rather than a church that's established and 14 years old. And so it's, it's really pushed us to get back of what does it look like to get back to the basics again, which, which can be really discouraging. If you've got an entrepreneur heart like myself, it's kind of like, okay, 
well, let's do this. We've done this before. We can do this. Um, and so it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's been challenging though. Yeah. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and just sharing what it looks like as you all up in South Dakota are navigating COVID-19. And for those listening, we hope this has been helpful to you to be able to hear what other pastors and church leaders across the country, how they're handling this. And maybe you can take some practical advice and, and implement it in your own church. And if you're enjoying this series that we're doing, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and let us know what you're enjoying about it. And maybe there's a question that you you wish that we were asking and you can just drop that there as well. And we will make sure to ask those questions and we'll see you next time. Thank you.